Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hey guys, Charlie here, just popping in to let you know that this week's episode of Tofop with Friends will be my chat with Ursula Carlson on her amazing podcast, That's Enough Already. You probably heard Will from a couple of weeks back. Well, it was my turn to sit down with the very funny Ursula Carlson. Here it is. Hello, it's me, Ursula Carlson. Welcome to another Ripper episode of That's Enough Already. This week, I have the amazing Charlie Clausen. Charlie shares an interesting story about why Kiwis trigger him, the bird, not the humans, because, you know, there's, and there's the fruit too. So, but we're specifically talking about the bird. And the time he got flop sweats real bad, I mean, who's not been there? His go-to when asked to bring a plate to a party and the time he got royally stitched up by his tour guide overseas. It's a juicy one. Here's my chat with Charlie. Enjoy. That's quite enough. Just Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Uh, uh, Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. Where where are you broadcasting from that your internet is so bad? I'm in Auckland, uh, but I'm outside. Mm. I've got an outside office on the property, but it's been raining non-stop for... Like the guy next door is a Christian and he's been building an ark for the last 40 days because it's been raining for 40 days. He's been collecting animals and stuff, but it's New Zealand, so we've got two wetters and a few sheep over there. Yeah. Um, A couple of kiwis. Yeah. No, they're not real. I don't reckon kiwis are real. Well, I'll tell you a story about, two stories about kiwi birds. Um, I'd never been to New Zealand before. I was taking a flight to the States and I was flying on Air New Zealand and as I was going into the lounge, they had a little like diorama display of like, you know, come to New Zealand, it's great. And they had this sculpture of like a kiwi bird that was about, I don't know, four and a half feet tall, like a big kiwi bird. Oh. But I didn't know that because I've never been to New Zealand. Yeah. And so as I was handing in my ticket, I said to the lady behind the counter, is that how big kiwi birds get? <laughs> and she just started laughing. She's like, no. Yeah. Well, it's just a statue and I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. And I was embarrassed but thought yeah. nothing of it. Then I'm sitting in the lounge waiting for my flight and just before I'm about to board, the same woman comes up and she hands me a sealed envelope. And I'm like, oh, what's this? And I open it up and it's a Wikipedia page <laughs> on Kiwi birds with the height highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that. I get on the plane and as they're doing their boarding announcement, they're like, and to Mr. Clawson uh, sitting in row, blah, 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 we just like to say, you know, you come visit New Zealand, come pat a kiwi bird. I'm like, why am I being targeted for what is a jet? I mean, you've got the diorama in the entrance to the lounge where they you've got enormous kiwi birds. Why is it my fault for assuming that was life-size? Okay, but did you know, like, you know they live underground basically, I didn't know anything about him. That's why I asked the question. Uh, I, I thought like, it was a fair so question. So she's probably going, this four-foot fucking thing. No wonder we have all the earthquakes. Every time Christchurch <laughs> shakes, I go, another Kiwi's gone to sleep. A kiwi. <laughs> yeah. So then about two years later, I go to my friend's wedding in New Zealand and it was out in the country and there's a, a bunch of, Yeah, that of, is you know, New Zealand. Everything's out in the country. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> you don't need to say that. And so I'm driving this... Um, I'm driving this one friend home. I was the designated driver. And so um, I was driving this one uh, woman home who's Australian, but she's been living in New Zealand for like five years. And as we pull up to her accommodation, we see this thing sort of shuffling across the driveway. 
and the headlights pick up this little kiwi bird and, and she's like, oh, my God, like I've lived here for five years. I've never seen a kiwi. And so we all just sat in rapt silence, my wife and my friend, and we just watched this little old kiwi bird shuffle past the headlights. Then the next day at the post-wedding party or whatever you call it, yeah. We're telling all these like Kiwi locals that, oh, yeah, we saw a Kiwi bird. And they were so offended. They were like, no, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. It's very rare. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's like a little bird, gray, sort of ashy gray with a long beak. And they're like, no, no. And this one woman was like, I've lived here my entire life and I've never seen a Kiwi bird. And I'm like, we didn't make it up. Like yeah. I got witnesses, but they were like we became pariahs at this after party because, oh, these Aussies have come yeah. over and think Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, that was just a giraffe hedgehog. Like you get <laughs> the giraffe hedgehogs and it was probably eating a stick and you think it's the beak. You didn't see a fucking cave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You go back to Aussie and I'm like, it's a, for a start, Aussie is an adjective. It's not a noun. I can't go back to Aussie. I am an Aussie. I'll go back to Australia. <laughs> But see, it's like when a tourist travels through America or whatever and then wins the lotto and people are like, that's bullshit. Mm. That's why a lot of countries, like, you have to have <laughs> residents to win the lotto because the locals will kill you. <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. the same. You can't fucking come in here and come see our really rare yeah. bird just pulling up in a driveway. Are you crazy? you got to make some shit. Like, that's the kind of stuff. It's like when you walk in on your parents having sex. You have to carry that right. burden with you. You can't just go yeah. and tell people, yeah. oh, I saw my parents having sex last night because then they have to think about your parents having sex and then they start thinking about their parents having sex and, that you know. That is no terrible that. advice that you have to carry that trauma with you. I gotta. would suggest go to therapy. I don't think you do have to carry it with you. No, I think no, you that's share the kind of shit you got to. Because even therapists have parents. Yeah. No one wants to hear that. Yeah, I know, but a therapist can counsel you on how to best deal with the trauma of having seen your parents copulate. Yeah, but you know the therapist knee jerk is going to be, oh, fuck, knock. Yeah, you're gross. <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's, that's always that's a bad sign when your therapist goes, ugh. <laughs> when you tell them your deepest, darkest secret and they just go, ugh, gross. Yeah, yeah, I have this real fetish and I'm so scared people will judge me and they're like, mm. you are. You, you are gross. Imagine their advice is just, you need to harden the fuck up. Yeah, just something so weird. Mm. That's what I'd say to you. <laughs> I said to my daughter this morning, I packed a little chocolate in her lunchbox and she goes, um, I should put another one because she's going to give it to a friend of hers, oh, yeah. which they're not allowed to share lunch or anything out of their yeah. lunchboxes at school because... Allergies, mate. Um, there was a kid in kindy with her who's allergic to chocolate. I mean, fuck, how are we making oh, these children God. that they can't even cope with the oh, chocolate? Easter might must be like Halloween for that kid. I tell you. <laughs> it's the scariest time of the <laughs> yeah. year. And then um, so I was like, okay, she goes, oh, she wants to give this kid this chocolate because she supported her yesterday when she was crying at school. I go, why were you crying at school? And she goes, I can't remember. And then her brother, who's four years younger, is like, oh, don't cry at school. I go, yeah, don't cry at school, you big baby. <laughs> Let's start <laughs> fixing this generation. It's like it's not okay to just <laughs> burst out in tears and stop fucking sharing your emotions so much. Just be like our generation. Just like yeah. sit, Shove suppress. And yeah. let it explode in a completely unrelated circumstance. That's right. You wait for road rage. Like you don't just, you That's know, right. let it leak yeah. out. The barista is a bit late bringing your coffee over. Give him an earful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not hot enough? Too hot? 
<laughs> go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you do you do heaps of podcasts and stuff. How many do you do? Four, five. Um, so Tofop, yes, yeah. uh, Tofop Plus, uh, Two Guys One Cut. That's three, and um, I was doing a parenting <coughs> podcast, but that that I think that's on indefinite hiatus now. Did so your, yeah, four did your wife stop roughly. you with that? She's like, stop that shit. No, no. I think um, my co-host, you know, who's now nominated for a gold logie, just got way too successful to be slumming it in a. Uh, <laughs> A shitty parenting podcast that no one's listens yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. I hope when they do that, go, I'll be back, but you know they're not coming back. It's like your dad in the 70s. He's going for cigarettes forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dad will be back. <laughs> How far are those cigarettes? <laughs> he's, he's been gone a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my secret, when people ask, like, oh, what's the secret to, you know, doing a podcast, I say just – Pair up with someone who's much more famous than you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to have a successful podcast. Yeah. Just make sure one of your hosts is heaps famous. Yeah. Or like me, just go by yourself and no one gives a shit. <laughs> so I, I can't tell you the amount of times we get to the end of the podcast and people go, so that was it? And I'm like, yep. There's no, yeah. I'm just chatting to you. <laughs> I just basically want to mm. chat to people that I find interesting and this is, mm. this is where we're at. So I just chat to people that I... Think is really interesting. I, I did that as well f- for a time. I had a I had a podcast um, separate to the one I do with Will yeah. for I think I did forty something episodes. But the and it was a similar philosophy. Is like I just want to talk to interesting people. Yeah. So some were famous, but others were just friends of mine that I really yeah. liked chatting to. Then the last interview I did was with my mother just before she died. Like she knew oh. she was dying. It was like her, yeah. you know, and we talked about everything and it was such an amazing conversation. I was like, I can't ask anyone to come on next. Yeah, like, that is a how lot. are you going to top that? Yeah. Like, you know, a podcast where someone is literally dead now, they're not yeah. even here and they're talking about their imminent death. Yeah. And good luck following that one. So I had to just sort of like, all right, well, that's a little limited series. I have a, I have a, because how many kids have you got? One. I just got one, yeah. Their take on stuff is so interesting. So you should reboot that one, but as a startup with your daughter, mm. but you're time limited. No one wants to hear a sassy podcast. fucking teenager talk about <laughs> their hot take on life. And I tell you, like my daughter's 10 now. I said to her this morning, I'm like, you're just a sass factory. Like she's just sassing me on oh, everything. That's great, yeah. I was like, but it's so so fun too. Like, you know, just the shit yeah. they come up with. She goes, my armpits are salty. Like, what do you mean? She goes, I can smell them. They smell salty. And I thought, what a great way to, you know, to describe your armpits starting to stink. Salty. Do you get the flop sweats when you're nervous? Like, have you ever got the flop sweats where you just start like, psh, down your face? Yes, I do that. It's it's happened in inopportune times when I'm talking to people, you know, of import and then suddenly there's this um, theatre director in Sydney um, whose work I'd loved for ages but I'd always heard from other actors that he was kind of intimidating, he's a bit of a curmudgeon and uh, he directed this feature film that I saw at Sydney Film Festival and at the after party I saw him and I just loved the film so much. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go over and say, hey, love the movie and that's all I was planning on saying because I'd heard he was such a curmudgeon. But when I went over and said, hey, uh, my name's Charlie. I just want to say I love the film. Congratulations. He actually wanted to engage me in conversation. He's like, oh, oh fantastic. So, you know, and, and he started to ask me these questions, but I was not 
ready for oh, that because I heard yeah. he was a curmudgeon. Yeah. And I got the flop sweat so bad because suddenly the spotlight was on me. Yeah. And he's like, so what do you do? Oh, I'm an actor, but I'm just on Home and Away. I mean, it's not real acting. It's yeah. just, you know, it's kind of TV acting. And anyway, I just wanted to, and then like he was like, uh, so where you grew up? Well, I grew up in Melbourne. And then I just was like, I'm not oh, prepared. Like yeah. I haven't kind of yeah. mentally prepared for this. And then when I went back to my wife, she was like, you are pouring with sweat. What's going on? And I said, he just started grilling me. He's asking me all these questions. And she was like, was he being mean? I was like, no, he's being really nice, but I just wasn't prepared for that level of interrogation. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. Like when I'm at a gig or something, especially corporate, and you kind of have that game plan. Going to go in, I'm backstage, I come out, I do the thing, then I'm backstage, then I can leave through that door. And then someone will come in, like the CEO and the the head of HR and the receptions that booked you, they'll come in and start talking to you and you're like, wait, what? Oh, like I'm not mentally prepared for you to be in here. And now yeah. I start sweating and then I walk out on stage and I'm sweating even more and now I look just really nervous about the gig and I'm like, I'm not nervous <coughs> about the gig. I'm, I'm fucked up because these people came into a room where I wasn't expecting them. You know, I'm trying to get my pre-gig dump out and, and these three people came in <laughs> and chatted to me for 20 minutes. And one Have you ever had stage fright? Yeah, I get it really bad. Whenever I'm standing side of stage before I get someone to intro me, I always have this moment where I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? I could just go back to advertising. But then I remember yeah. that I don't have the personality to take instructions. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had my first ever panic attack. I've never had one before when I was emceeing a corporate thing last year. Wow. And it was so weird because I've been on stage before and I've never really had, you know, I get nervous, but, you know, that yeah. energy where it's good, you can use it for performance. But I just, it just happened where I, I'd sort of been sent this like script to follow, like it was a three hour kind of, you know, awards thing. Yeah. And um, they'd sent me this script and being like having an acting background, it's like, oh, I'll just memorize it. It's not hard for me to memorize it. And so it was like 3,000 people and, you know, the Crown Ballroom in Melbourne. Wow. And uh, it was me and this other MC was sort of co-hosting and I was meant to be outside doing like all the kind of like yeah. comedy chat with all the people in the foyer yeah. and stuff. And so they've taken me outside. I've got my mic, the camera's there, floor manager's there, and I'm just, I'm feeling okay. Yeah. And then the, he says to me, okay, 60 seconds. And then I'm like, okay, what's the first thing I have to say? And I'm like, and I just oh. com- could not remember what it was. And then my mouth started getting dry and I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. I've got the script. So I just grabbed the script off the table and I'm looking at it, but the words just aren't coming in and he's like 30 seconds and I'm like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, what's going on? This has never happened to me before. And my hand started going numb and my chest went all tight. My mouth went so dry. I was like, I can't even speak. Like this is going to be a disaster. He's like 15 seconds and I'm like, oh, "Oh, shit, I'm just going to have to hand him the microphone and just walk for the exit and I'll just keep walking to my hotel. I just won't come back. (laughs) And then I don't know what happened but he – like he signaled that they were, and I heard them say, and Charlie Clawson, and so they cut out to me and something took over where I just drilled that first paragraph. It just came to me. Yeah. But then I, I was still panicking because I couldn't remember what I had to say next, but then the camera panned off me and I just grabbed that script and I bulleted through the next like two paragraphs that I had to get through and then when the camera came back, whipped the script out of the shot and was like, and back to you. And then they cut away from me and I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I just had this Awful. full moment of yeah. what the fuck was that? I'd, yeah. I'd never had one before. Yeah, uh, so I'm also late to panic attacks. I had my first one about oh, two great. years ago. And I was like, holy fuck. I, but, yeah, your mouth gets so dry. I thought, if I speak now, they're going to see the dust coming out of my mouth. 
Like yeah. my lips were all stuck to my teeth and my tongue felt so massive in my mouth. Like, yeah, it's really bad. And my brother and sister had been, I'd got them a couple of tickets and so I went to see them in one of the breaks and I was like, oh, my God, like that was so embarrassing. And they're like, what? And I said, I was having like a, a panic attack. And like, oh, I couldn't tell. You seemed fine. And I was like, yeah. man, you know, thank yeah. God for years of practice. That's I right. I actually fake my way through that first like two minutes. Yeah, yeah, because the people that you go, you go, fuck, man, I just spun out there or I just like, couldn't tell. Just couldn't tell. It's funny. My my family, none of them are, are performers or actors. Or, you know, they're all just like normal day job. Yes, and I think they they like they they're, they're not particularly interested in what I do. <laughs> like they don't listen to my shows. They they don't make. You know, I'm sure they they see things from time to time. But um, Will and I were doing uh, the podcast live at one of the comedy festivals in Melbourne. And we caught up with my family the day before and my, and my wife was like, oh, are you guys coming to Charlie's show? And they're like, oh, and I've got like lots of siblings. And they're like, oh, you know, and then Gemma was like, oh, you can organise some tickets. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And so then everyone felt kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll take some tickets. Yeah. And so I organised like six tickets. And I remember during the show at one point, and it's, you know, it's a fairly loose show, and I was like, I didn't know where they were sitting, which was good. Yeah. But then as I was doing one of my bits, I look out and I see them and I see my brother like just like this. Oh, <laughs> like, no. Just secondhand embarrassment. Oh, no. Just their eyes yeah. to the floor rubbing his head. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to invite these no. guys back no. <laughs> to see another show. They clearly don't enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, no, my mum, this is my mum after every show. She's always like got that surprise sound and it was Good. Um, she goes, like, people were like. Laughing- hang on, is she surprised or she could just be Australian? She does have that, that the, the voice goes up yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end of every no, sentence. No, that's surprise. So she She's surprised. always a little bit, hmm. Um, People seem to enjoy your full. No, so then she's like, um, people seem to really like it. There were people sitting in front of us. I think they would have been um, 26K. Uh, and I'd say, and I'm like, I don't fucking know who these people are. But then, like, you know, I can't say that to my mum. But then she'll <laughs> like go. as if you knew each yeah. audience member individually. Oh, oh, oh that, is, <laughs> that is fucking Charlie and Will. Are you kidding me, you know? And then yeah. she goes, they did not smile, even smile. They didn't even smile. And then I have to go, <laughs> I have to go, mum, some people have a good time without laughing. Maybe there were industry people. Like, I go see shows all the time. And I don't laugh because I'm sort of dead on the inside to comedy, but I walk out and I go, that was fucking hilarious. It is rare for me to just mm. laugh out loud in a show. Or, you know, I guess it's the same. You're an actor. When you watch a show, you kind of go, oh, I see what they did there. That's good. You want to be the good kid that pays attention. And even, you know, like if someone next to me doesn't put their tray up and when they've asked repeatedly to put the trays up, and you can see them come from the front and go, can you just put your tray up? And they ask people around, put your tray up. And then they get to your row and they go to the guy next to you who would have heard 50 times by now, put your tray up, put your tray up. And the tray's still down. I always try and lock eyes with the air hostess so you can give them that, dang, this idiot <laughs> look. But I think it's because I'm the good kid. My my tray is always up when they say, as soon as they announce it, I, I make sure I fix everything. Do you think, like, the amount of safety briefings you would have sat through, yeah. do you reckon you could approximate, like, if you had to do it, to say you were quantum leaped into that moment where it's like the plane's about to take off and you have to suddenly, because we've seen it, we've all seen it yeah. like hundreds of times. Yeah. 
Do you reckon you could do it? Because I still don't think yeah. I could. I wouldn't even know the first thing to say. Yeah, I could and I have done it. Really? Yeah. Um, on that flight to Norfolk, one of the flights to Norfolk Island, I did all of the announcements. Did you? They got me to do all the announcements on an Air New Zealand flight and I did it. It was great. And then I got to sit in the pilot's seat, which you don't get to do anymore. So when I was little, when you could still sit in the pilot's seats, but I got to, on that flight, not only did they get me to do all the announcements, so the air hostesses did the thing, um, you know, and I just had the life jacket over my head. But I did all of the announcements. Um, it was great. I don't even think that shit's illegal. But it's just funny. They take, like, safety and security so seriously yeah. all the way through the airport and then it's like they're getting the bones like, hey, who wants to do the safety demonstration? <laughs> there you go. Get up there. Have a crack. No, they give you a little booklet. They read everything. Even when you see the air hostesses oh, okay. do it, the mm. head of the cabin, the cabin crew manager or whatever, they have to read it. It's almost yeah. like when they give you a Miranda rights in America, they have to read it off a piece of paper so you don't legally miss anything. Do they? Yeah, they have to read it. That. So the same. So every TV show has lied to us. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's not, you're not watching a documentary. Because you see those shows and some renegade cop throws a bad guy up against the fence and says you have the right to remain silent. But he's not reading it. He's just like spitting. Yeah. No, you've got to read it. I could be making that up, but I doubt it. I'd I'd take my word for it than CSI. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been to South Africa? No, no, I haven't. I work with quite a few South Africans, though. Um, on Home and Away, a lot of the drivers were from, from South Africa, from Jayburg. Yeah. I had a South African housemate when I first moved to Sydney. Me and my mate moved in with a South African guy who <clears throat> I don't know what his deal was. I got the feeling he was a bit of a trust fund kid yeah. that his parents had a lot of money and he was just out in Australia. I think he was meant to be studying, but he was just having a, a good time. time. And he was just the most entitled, worst bloke. He had this party without asking us and, you know, we had these hardwood floors and he had all his friends dancing in the living room and some girl in heels would just like put like pock marks all over the hardwood floors that we had to get replaced. He borrowed my mate's Vespa without asking and smashed it and they didn't offer to repair it. And we just got so sick of him that um, he actually got kicked out of university and he was on a student visa. Yeah. And... He was trying to stay in the country illegally, but we dobbed him into immigration because we hated him that much. Good on you. And then we sold like his his white goods that he that was the one thing he'd brought to the house were his white goods, and we sold them to actually pay for the floorboards that he damaged. And I remember at one point he's one of these housemates who you know at the end of the month, oh okay, so we need thirty bucks each for the phone bill and twenty dollars for this, and he would just. He would work the figures. He'd be like, oh, yes, but remember, I bought uh, this when, when I did the grocery shopping. And then, so, in fact, you owe me $10. And by the end of it, you're like, you clearly come from money because yeah. you're here without a job and you're like yeah. going up to the Great Barrier Reef and you're buying cocaine and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Like, why are you such a tight ass? And it was just, I, we felt guilty about it. But then I was like, you know what? This is a good life lesson for him. Hopefully, he went back home and he ate some humble pie. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. He would have gone home. A fucking hero gone, he basically beat the system in Australia. Uh, He wasn't even going to study there anyway because they shit. Like, you know, those people who go, I wasn't kicked out. I didn't want to be there. They didn't know shit. Like I know exactly that type of guy. It's so on brand for, you know, 
It's it's almost embarrassing when you go, please, whenever there's any anyone that starts talking about a South African or if they're on the news and they go, you go, please don't be shit, please don't be shit. <laughs> Always I'll go, I used to work with a South African, I go, please don't be an asshole. And they go, he was amazing. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> or, or, you know, she used to feed us all the time. I'm like, yeah, that, that's right, that's right. We're, we're big feeders. We just want to eat. I used to work with a girl uh, who was Greek and and she was saying that when her parents, when her family came out to Australia and they got invited to like their first, their neighbours had a, you know, like a barbecue or something and they said, I'll just bring a plate. It was so foreign to them because for Greeks, like if you are having people over, you provide everything. everything. Like you do all the food, you you don't bring a plate. That's considered like the height of kind of, you know, incivility yeah. is to bring like someone else's food to, to your event. Oh, fuck, it's better than over here. The first time um, we got invited to bring a plate, we went and we bought a four-place setting, like four dinner plates, four little plates, four cups, you know, like it's in a box. We took that. Fuck a plate. We brought a whole set. Mm. We didn't realise bring a plate... <laughs> We thought they would, you know, like. Oh, you actually literally thought you meant bring to bring a plate, a plate to eat. Yeah, <laughs> because like when we have a function, we were talking about it afterwards. I'm like, I don't understand why there's such a hodgepodge of food here. Um, you know, like there were everything from baked potatoes to sausage rolls. I'm like, none of this food fucking complement each other. And then we realised everyone brought Fit. shit. Yeah. And we were supposed to bring food. So then I'm like, okay. We'll fix that next time. I find it very stressful the bring a plate, the bring a plate thing because, like you know, there's, there's especially if it's like say a barbecue or a daytime or a lunch or something, yeah. because all right, how many people are there going to be? Uh, how, where are you stacked in terms of salads? Where are you stacked in terms of desserts? Where are you stacked in terms of mains? Is there a barbecue? Should I bring some meat? Yeah. I have a go-to. I make a pretty good Brussels sprout quinoa salad with pomegranate seeds. And the good thing about that is it sort of straddles both main meal and salad because it's quite hearty. And it's So if you wanted to just like have that as your main. Vegan? uh, Vegetarian? No, because I put feta. Uh, I put feta on top. Put feta cheese. So it's got a little bit of dairy. It's vegetarian, but it's it's not vegan. Um, And sometimes I use some chicken stock with the quinoa. So... Uh, but that's that's always my go-to. But it's got to the point now where I'm Brussels sprout Charlie because everyone now knows yeah. when there's like an event, I'm going to bring my, my my Brussels sprout salad, yeah. so I have to change it up. I've got to think of another meal that sort of straddles two areas, yeah. so it can be a main or a, or a, or a side. I haven't figured out the dessert thing yet. I've only just started baking. That's my oh, yeah. my, my most recent sort of um, foray. I think going foreign is always nice. Like, so I always try and take something traditional South yeah. Africa. Boudivors, you know, that sausage that's, oh, that's in good. a twirl. And then I'll just cut it with the toothpicks in it. Or I will take a malfa pudding, which is a baked dessert. Recently, I, I discovered that because no one ever takes bread, a nice bread. So um, I'll make homemade bread. Like oh, just a long good. take, you know. Even if you make focaccia, that's really good. Yeah, because you can make a nice vegan focaccia, you know, and it's just mm. stick your fingers in some olive oil, and I put some actual olives and some flaky salt in there. And who doesn't like, you know, I mean, there's going to be some bloody gluten free losers there, but yeah. who doesn't love bread? Like, I think exactly. that's my number one issue. Like, if I have to kind of, you know, trim down or whatever, I've got to cut out because I love it. Yeah. And fresh, and I and I live in a small town that has the most incredible bakery, and so just some fresh bread with some salted yeah. butter. Oh, 
Like that's all I need to eat. Yeah. Like it is my number one thing is fresh bread with butter. Hey, um, let me ask you, what is something that shits you to absolute fucking tears about other people? Um, okay, what should, <laughs> I feel like I should be prepared for this question. Um, you, we know what I don't like. My wife is always saying, I, and it, and it's so difficult in the industry working. I really hate pretentious people. Yeah. <laughs> like I really, I just, I hate, um, I don't know if it's a cultural thing being Australian or whatever, but I've met several people in this industry where, like the assumption is that because they work in a creative field that somehow they are different to everyone yeah. else, like that, you know, you know, their work is, uh, you know, they're commuting with some higher force and blah, blah, blah. I remember um, uh, I was at a, a friend's house, like it was all girls, my wife and all her girlfriends, I was the only yeah. guy, and they were all talking about this musician who lived in the area and he was going to come around. And so this dude popped over and he was your exact kind of stereotype of the douchebag. You know, he had, he had like the kind of floppy, like, you know, hat with a feather in oh and his unbuttoned shirt. God. And he'd been living in LA, you know, writing songs for all these different artists and stuff. And I think when he walked in and he saw that there was another guy there, like there was this total kind of alpha thing going on where it's like, oh, there's another rooster in the hen house. And so he just had this kind of air of... Um, you know, he just was dismissive of me. And then one of the girls was really in love with him and she's like, oh, can you play some music? And so he sat down at the piano and he started playing one of like these oh love songs. God. And after a minute or two, I'm like, okay, I'm out of this. So I went out and sat in the backyard and they had this little chicken coop and there's all these like chicks running around. And so I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know anything about raising chickens. So I got on Wikipedia like a little nerd and started reading about chickens. And I started discovering all these like really interesting facts <laughs> about chickens. And I just sort of forgot where I was for a moment. And so I sort of was looking at my phone and I walked back into the room where this dude was serenading all these women. And I just started saying, hey, did you guys know that like a chick, da, 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 and I started reading this. Like, and I didn't realise, but this dude was right at the kind of emotional high point of the song oh, where he's like, building to the crescendo. And he sort of stopped and just stared at me and everyone was kind of staring at me. And I was like, oh, oh, there's a vibe going on here. And I've completely, I, I apologise. I'm so sorry about that. And walked back outside. <laughs> And then it, later on, like everyone was going to this after party, and this dude was like, oh, "I'll take you there, girls. I got my, I got my, I got my truck here." And so he's got this like, old school Dodge, like Ute, and all the girls pile into the cabin. And then he stops me and goes, "Oh, you can get in the back." <laughs> so I had to get in the back of his Ute like a dog to drive to this after party. And then when we sort of get there. He's sort of, you know, I'm um, hopping out and he's like, hey, man, um, did you grow up in the city? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And he's like, yeah, I can tell. And I, oh. in my head I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> dickhead. Like, you're not better than me. <laughs> you're not. In fact, it's embarrassing what you did. It was so obvious what you were doing. So that's the thing. Anytime I meet someone like that, it just kind of elevates yeah. themselves because they're an artist or this. I'm just like, fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. Or the, the best is when you meet someone who say they went to – drama school or whatever and, you know, or they studied with someone that's, you know. you're We're literally working on the same fucking show. Yeah. And they keep talking about how, you know, they just sort of this. Never had one lesson, dude. Never had one lesson and we've got the same job. Nothing. So what does oh, that tell I'm you? Here. Yeah, probably getting more than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I stumbled on this shit. I guess I'm just a natural talent. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that guy with the old truck, that truck probably breaks down quite often. Mm. He can't afford to get it fixed. So sucked in, brother. Yeah, hopefully. Um, what's the one thing about you that shits you to tears? Oh, uh, I talk too much. 
I, 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 I hear myself. I get outside my own body sometimes when I'm in like social situations and I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Stop talking. Yeah. No one needs to hear every single thought that comes into your head. I think it's, I do just, I do nervous talk sometimes. I Like when there's awkward pauses and stuff, I do feel the need to fill the air with something. I think I could be better at just, you know, being in silence yeah. and just don't have to sort of fill the dead air. I think I think that's all right. What I worry about for you is the fact that you ate a spider, <laughs> a deep fried spider. Yeah. Well. I thought, I for sure thought when I said what shits you is you going, I, me not being able to say no to stuff. <laughs> no, no, it was my idea. Okay, do tell us about it. You ate a tarantula. Well, uh, so I was, I was hosting Getaway, yeah. uh, which is a, a Australian travel show, and uh, we were in Cambodia. And I kind of knew when I got the job, you know, like part of the fun of a travel show, especially when they go to somewhere like Southeast Asia is, you know, what are the weird and wacky things that you can do or, or consume? And so we're at one of those wet markets, Southeast Asian kind of wet markets where, I mean, if you weren't a vegetarian before, you might be afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's very confronting when you see livestock slaughtered right in yeah. front of you. But we're walking around this market and the producer was saying to me, oh, would you be keen to kind of eat something a bit weird? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm not arachnophobic, but I don't like spiders. Like they're not my favourite thing. I've sort of had to, living in the country now, I've sort of had to overcome that because I'm constantly removing huntsmen from my house. Um, uh, So we go around this market and there is a table and it is laden with Three items, deep fried baby birds, whole, uh, deep fried cockroaches about that big, so, you know, inch and a half long, or deep fried tarantulas. And the thing about tarantulas is a deep fried tarantula looks exactly the same as a a live tarantula yeah. that doesn't look they really hold their just structure. a bit more gnarly, but they're still pretty yeah, horrific. Pretty robust. They hold their structure. <laughs> So they, I had a choice. What are what are these three? And I was like, oh, like cockroaches. I just fucking no. find so gross. Yeah. I just could not bring myself to eat a cockroach. The baby bird like breaks your heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a whole baby bird. You see its beak and it's all bald head, no more feathers. And then I was like, okay, so I guess it's got to be the the tarantula. And so we had a few things to shoot before I got back to that table. And again, like the panic attack thing. As we're walking around, and I'm, you know, I'm meant to be sort of like, you know, presenting all this other stuff. In the back of my mind yeah. was the anticipation that pretty soon I'm going to be eating a spider. So the flop sweats are starting. <laughs> so we come over and our guide is like, okay, so, you know, let, let's eat the spider. And I sort of really had to, I had to kind of just overcome a bit of that kind of inner wuss yeah. where I was just like, come on, man, like there's a camera on you, so let, let's not back yeah. down. But I genuinely was having some kind of physical reaction to it. It was like my body was like, you shouldn't be eating yeah. this. Like this is not meant to go in your yeah. body. So I asked the the guide, I was like, how are you meant to eat this? And he said, you know, well, you just start at the legs, nibble your way up to the abdomen <sighs> and then you just consume the whole thing. And so I did it and it Tasted exactly like I thought a spider would yeah. taste. Like it's, I guess the the closest equivalent is like beef jerky. So they salt it and they spice it, and then they, they deep fry it. So, but it's very tough and it's very gristly. Yeah. Like it's not a pleasant experience. But not only that, when you're eating the legs, because they've got these little fine fibers on them, it starts sticking oh, to the inside of your throat. So the essential feeling as you're swallowing is like these tiny little spiky legs are crawling down your throat. Oh so I get through that first spider and then, of course, the cameraman's like, you know what, 
uh, light wasn't great. Could we go for a take two? Could you eat another Did one? Did you find him? I'm like, fuck yeah. you, man. But of course, yeah. I'm a professional. So I ate the second one, ate the second one, and then for the next like two hours I'm just drinking as much water because I could just, even though the legs were probably gone, it felt like the yeah. legs were still inside my throat. So we get back to where we're staying and I go into the, the you know, the kitchen, the restaurant, and I'm chatting to one of the chefs who's like a local and he's like, oh, I heard you ate a spider today. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, did you just eat the abdomen? And I said, no, no, I ate the legs. He's like, oh, no, you don't eat the legs. Like, oh, that's the God. worst part. It's all just all gristle and grit. It's horrible. And I'm like, the fucking tour guide told me I had to eat the whole thing. I ate it twice. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like all the good stuff's in the abdomen. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. It all tasted pretty gross to me. Yeah. I must say, if you were an arachnophobe, there would be that would be a great opportunity for you to get over that. What a great revenge! To like to you're dominate. You're not scaring me. I'm fucking eating spider, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're power topping it hard out. But later that week in the restaurant um, where we're staying, they did like a local cuisine thing, and so they did have more cockroaches, but they also had grasshoppers, crickets, silkworms, like oh, you yeah, know, silkworm. David Attenborough. Yeah. A, a, a buffet and I ate all of them. I, I tried all of them. I was like, well, you know, I've broken the seal now. Yeah. Let's see what all this shit tastes like. What was a cockroach? Nothing like? really caught my fancy. It wasn't like, do you know what was the grossest was the cockroach. Yeah. The cockroach tasted, it was goo, yeah. like it was goo, just like snot, flavourless snot. It was disgusting. Well, thank you so much for so coming on this podcast. I not recommend eating a cockroach to anyone. Charlie, I- <laughs> <laughs> There's your clip for the week. <laughs> this is like flavorless snot. <laughs> you can listen to Charlie's podcast, Tofop, Fofop, Two Guys, One Cup and Philosophy, now on the Listener app or wherever you download your podcast. If you like this episode, go listen to my episode with Charlie's mate and mine, Will Anderson. The episode's so good, we gave it to you in two parts. Go take a listen. Just search That's Enough Already wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget to share it with your friends, your families, your colleagues, hell, even your worst enemies and that weird neighbor. Come on, everyone deserves a laugh. Even that chick who keeps eating your lunch from work. We all know who it is. Stop doing that. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. Supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Beck Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 